How do you unlock your full potential of influence and create lasting change? I'm your co-host, Dave Donaldson. Along with your other co-host, Scott Young, welcome to the Influencers Podcast. Join us each week for inspirational stories and strategies from leaders, experts, and professionals around the globe. We want to see you get equipped and empowered to make an impact that resounds from your neighborhood to the nations. While you listen, if you enjoy our content, we would love for you to subscribe and have the opportunity to tune in to future podcasts. Just hit the subscription button. Even more importantly, we'd like to invite you to be part of our team by helping us to share the message and continue to bring more and exciting guests onto the program. These guests help us to grow in our influence, your five-star rating and personal written review, which we look forward to reading, will help us to move forward. You can also follow us at the Influencers Podcast Official on all social media channels to stay up to date, to hear more inspiring content, and to unlock your full potential as an influencer. What a joy to welcome you to the Influencers Podcast, and we have a fascinating guest today. Paul Manwarning is a leadership coach. He's internationally known and sought after as a speaker and an author. He provides extensive online teaching and resources that empowers individuals and strengthens organizations. Previously, he's been on the leadership team, the senior leadership team at Bethel Church in Redding, California where he oversaw Global Legacy. That was Bethel's, or is Bethel's, Apostolic Relational Network. Before that, Paul spent 19 years in senior prison management on the other side of the pond over in England, and we've got to talk about that a little bit. He is a registered general psychiatric nurse, which will help him greatly dealing with Dave and I. He (laughs) holds a management degree from Cambridge. He's married to the beautiful wife, Sue, he has two sons and two grandsons. And Paul, we are so delighted to welcome you to the Influencers Podcast. Thanks for joining us today, Paul. My absolute pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be doing this. Yeah, well, there is that accent. And I just was telling the people that book the guests for the podcast, Influencers are getting the people with the most wonderful accents. And we're glad (laughs) to welcome you today. You've had such an interesting journey to becoming an influencer, not only in the church, but outside the church and organizations and helping leaders. How does the two come together, your past roles in prison management and psychiatric care to shaping how you help and lead people today? Well, it's really a question of where do you start to answer that? Um, I actually was advised when I was uh, 17 years of age when I uh, felt that I was going to be in uh, what I would now call career ministry, uh, I was given advice, go and get some experience working with people. And so I was faithful to that advice. Uh, Nursing and prison management is definitely experience with people. (laughs) But uh, I mean, for sure. But, you know, there's just so much. I mean, I've been involved, obviously, with people at the the toughest moments in life, some of the most broken people. Um, I've been involved in organizational leadership, I'm a riot commander, a hostage negotiator, trainer. Wow. I've sat on the bed of people that are dying. I've I've resuscitated people. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it's just a whole range. So it's it's life. It's just life's experience um, through everything from sociology, psychology, 
organizational leadership strategic planning. So there's nothing wasted. And anybody who knows me knows I have a little catchphrase for my life. And that is he wastes nothing. He gets you ready. And I know that that's true of my life. So um, I, so much of it. And God's incredible. You know, the way yeah. God pulls things out of yeah. your past, um, he, he is an absolute, you know, utter genius yeah. that he would have me trained in strategic planning in the prison service. So I like to say that I got trained by Pharaoh in Egypt so that I could work for the king in the kingdom and travel the world and teach strategic planning. So it, it's so much. He, he got me ready. Simple as that. Well, thank you so much. Paul, this is Dave Donaldson. And Hi, Dave. I'd like to add to what Scott said. What a delight and honor it is to have you and uh, such a fascinating background. Uh, you say the world is a marriage between the supernatural and the natural, the secular and the sacred, a divine God and glorified manhood. And then you go on to say, if we could grasp the power of these unions, then all of the promises of God are truly yes and amen. Uh, can you collaborate on this, the, the secular and sacred struggle? and how you've seen that in the church? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to, and uh, I think there are, there are a lot of different places that we can go on this. Um, I, I wrote a book called What on Earth is Glory, which is actually really um, unpacking uh, the glory of God and the glory of man. Uh, glo the glory of God is a result of God expressing himself, and uh, man's glory is um, his eternal value because he reveals, reflects, and points to mm -hmm. the nature, the power, the attributes of God. So we have these two elements that that come together. And, and one of the tragedies of mankind is that we like to polarize and divide things. Um, I, some years ago, Bill Johnson made a phrase. He said, uh, with God, everything's natural. Uh, in other words, there is no supernatural to God. But here's the thing. Once everything that is natural only existed in the supernatural. So you cannot divide this. Um, you know, God created, but he hid things for man to discover. Um, and, and the tragedy is that we end up dividing. We, we create dividing lines between the secular and the sacred. We, we actually end up, you know, making it seem as though the highest calling is somehow to be a career minister in the church, uh, and and we miss something. So to me, uh, our lives should be a marriage between the natural and the supernatural. Uh, let me give you a, a, a simple example. On one end of the spectrum, if you cut your hand, uh, you know, chopping the, the meat tonight, your hand will heal. That cut will heal. At the other end of that same continuum, is a healing miracle where an amputee's leg grows out, but they are both connected. But we would divide them. The genius that God has made man's skin to heal is harnessed by the surgeon in an operating theater and is the creative miracle that we would be crying out to pull down to heaven. They are one continuum. There isn't a way of separating them. So to me, the struggle is... That uh, and I think you know one of the, the percentages I'll throw out is only three percent of people get paid to go to church. Ninety-seven percent of people get paid to go and work somewhere else. 
And if they feel that they're less valuable, there's the problem. So we have to erase the secular sacred line and we need to walk in the marriage of the natural and the supernatural, recognizing that our great privilege as man is to reveal God, reflect God and point to God. So you you just mentioned um, an incredible supernatural, an amputee whose leg grows out. That is unbelievably, well, I shouldn't say unbelievably, but it is a massive miracle. What kind of supernatural things have you seen happen in the natural people that you've been working with, people that are not in a career ministry, as you call it, or a professional ministry? What kind of things have you seen take place in their lives? I mean, one of my absolute favorites is uh, um, a, a man called Chauncey Crandall, Dr. Chauncey Crandall, who's a, uh, he was actually Reinhard Bonnke's physician. Hmm. And in his book, Raising the Dead, he talks about uh, a day that he went back to the ER where uh, a patient had been um, written up as, as dead. And um, as he, he, he stood in the room and prayed, prayed for the man. And then he turned to his, uh, his assistant and said, shock him one more time, hmm. which you, you can't do once you've written up that he's dead. You, can't, you don't do that. But Chauncey had prayed for him. He said, shock him one more time. And that man came back, fully back to life. Wow. And now I wasn't there, but I, I know Chauncey. Yeah. You see, that is a man who is he, he's at the peak of his natural career. Yeah. And he's at the peak of his supernatural faith. And we put them together. And sometimes a doctor will wrestle. I have a very good friend who's a urologist. And, you know, he he spoke to me many years ago. He spoke to me and he said, Paul, he said, I I used to beat myself up every Sunday because I'd be going to church and I'd be expecting the testimonies. Mm -hmm. And he he was missing the fact that he'd saved 20 people's lives that week. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we, we need to pull both of these elements together. Another uh, lady friend of mine, uh, another, another doctor, actually, you know, she, she ran from an ER to an operating room with a patient with necrotizing fasciitis. In other words, uh, her, her leg was literally being eaten away as she looked at it. And the Holy Spirit said to her, you hold the scalpel, I'll guide your hand. And she tells the story that not only did she cut that, uh, you know, you know the dead piece of flesh out Mm -hmm. but that she watched as she did it it literally healing before her eyes wow now to me this is the the you know i i love the miracle i love miracle however they come yeah but when you hear of a miracle at the hands of someone who is at the peak of their natural skill and they have absolute faith in god you know you you see the potential of, of just I mean, anything is possible, of course, and we know that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's what those are just a couple of stories, and there are, there are many others. But that's what I love. I, I love the idea of people knowing that they, they don't have to stop and pray for 20 minutes before they operate on somebody in yeah. the operating room. They know that they are naturally gifted and filled with the Spirit of God. They have Christ in them, the hope of glory. And, and we have people that are listening right now and Christ in them is the hope of glory. And I would say the majority are not in a career ministry or a professional ministry or a direct ministry. 
And sometimes they can get to feel uh, second class or, or less than or less important. Uh, what do we have to say to them as they're listening to us today, desiring to be naturally supernatural like you're talking about? Well, you know, the key thing is that we, we end the lie that says that there are first and second class anointings, first and second class careers, first and second class assignments. We have to cancel that lie. We need everybody in the family. Ephesians 4.16, the whole body, every part connected, every part working properly so that the whole body can be built up. You know, you know, wonderful example. I, I know a little bit about the Reinhard Bonnke's ministry. You know, there there are no 60, 70 million souls saved without Peter Vandenberg, the administrator. But we can easily think administration, that's second class. No, it's not. Mm. How much Bible would we have if there weren't the people who, who wrote down the details, the numbers, the, who passed the stories on? And, you know, we absolutely need everybody so we have to cancel the lie that there are first and second class careers and anointings and callings that's a lie because there aren't first and second class christians so we have to cancel that lie and then then we need to do what the church is meant to do which is equip the saints for the work of ministry Beautiful. And the work of ministry is being a doctor, a nurse, a waiter, a, a businessman. And we, we need to cancel the lie and then we need to empower people. And they need to know this. This to me, if I can just sum it up this way, everybody who goes to church on Sunday should get to their desk on Monday morning and know that they've been sent. Mm -hmm. They That's what they should know. They've been sent to be a police officer. Because Jesus said this, he said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And the goal of the church should be that everybody knows that they are. They come to church on a Sunday, they celebrate, they worship, they're taught, they hear testimonies, they receive prayer, they get encouraged. But they that happens so that they can go back out and do their, their work. It's the Isaiah 61, uh, you know, setting free the captives. Yeah. so that they can go and rebuild the ruined cities. Beautiful. Well, that's powerful, uh, Paul. I remember when my older brother and I were having lunch with Demo Shikarian, you know, the founder of Full Gospel Businessman, oh, yeah. yeah. and somebody who experienced revival, you know, globally. And uh, I asked him the question, you know, what does it take to really experience revival? And our lifetime and we were eating at uh, an Armenian restaurant and he looked across the, the street and there was a, a suit shop. And he said, if you like that suit that's, that's in the window, uh, the next thing you look at is the price tag. And then you make a decision, am I willing to pay the price to have this suit? And he said, that's revival. Are you willing to pay the price to experience revival? in your life, your church, your community. And you've experienced revival through Bethel Church and Reading, uh, which has been a catalyst really for other movements uh, around the globe. I've had the privilege of ministering there uh, a few times and uh, what a just an incredible experience. And you write about this, 
about uh, really the, the difference between revival, reformation, but how can a church empower uh, their entire congregation to see uh, their place in revival and reformation? And then can you elaborate on the difference between revival and reformation? Yeah, let me start there. I mean, these would be more my definitions. I'm sure they're shared. Um, actually, one of my favorite definitions that I've heard recently of revival is is from, I think it's either John Mark Comer or, or Mark Sayers. And uh, they say revival is when renewal goes viral. And revival always has to have the personal element. Every one of us needs to be renewed. Mm. So what I would then sort of follow up with is, Revival is when ones to millions of people come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, his person, his power, his presence, and his principles. So it's renewal that goes viral. That's revival. And But then that should lead, it must lead, to reformation. And reformation is when the whole of society comes under the influence of, regardless of their relationship with Jesus Christ. They come under the influence of the person, the power, the presence, and the principles. And so revival should always lead to reformation. And actually, we see this in the uh, picture of the river in Ezekiel, because the river for me is revival. It's the, the fish, the nourishment, the energy, the life. Everybody's jumping in. But then it reforms the land into the fertile land, which is the inheritance for the generations to come. And so reformation actually passes the experience of revival from one generation and creates the environment where the next generation can live in the fruits and the benefit of revival. So to me, those two things go hand in hand. How can a church... How can the church do this? Well, the, the church needs to never change the message from revival. And there must it must always be about personal revival. We must never change that message. We must never stop preaching the gospel. But then and it's back to what I was saying about um, equipping the saints and sending them out. Uh, the saints need to know that they are sent out to bring change uh, to the world. And uh, whether they're doctors, nurses, teachers, businessmen, it, it doesn't matter. But, but there is, there has to be a relationship between the two. Um, one of the interesting, it's a little observation, it's a slight aside, but I'll run with it for a minute if I may. Um, and that is that if you look at uh, particularly the West Coast of America for the last 100 years has experienced some incredible moves of God. Uh, Azusa Street, Amy Semple McPherson, Jesus People Movement, John Wimber, um, John G. Lake up uh, more north, uh, Bill Johnson, of course, Portland. But it's also that same area has experienced the entrepreneurial uh, revival of Microsoft, of, of Apple, of Facebook, of you know Tesla and Elon Musk. Here's the question. Is there a relationship between the two? Is there, is there almost a spiritual relationship? Because here's the thing. The entrepreneurs need the revivalists and the revivalists need the entrepreneurs. And one day we're going to see a marriage of those two and that will accelerate the Reformation. Well, that is fascinating. Never thought of that. I mean, you think about some of the great revivals and how that also lifted businesses around them. 
Yeah. Mm, what a great thought. Uh, that that certainly will be a uh, motivating factor for a lot of business people listening. That's for sure. Well, you see, one of the challenges we've had is that the church tends to look at wealthy people as being able to give into the church. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But that must not be the only reason for being successful in business. Here's the reality. The, the whole earth is currently being filled with the knowledge of the glory of Elon Musk, of Bill Gates, mm. of Richard Branson. That's not heresy. The world is being filled with their glory because they have a glory. But we have more than them. They only are made in the image of God. But, but the people listening to this, you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. You are filled with the Holy Spirit and we have the mind of Christ. And the world is waiting for, for all four of those elements to be activated at the same time in the same people and the same businesses. Why should people who, to my knowledge, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Richard Branson, Elon Musk, to my knowledge, they went on spiritual journeys but never found Jesus Christ. And yet look what they do. And they only have one quarter of what the people listening have. We need to activate and we need people to believe that they have everything they need to be successful, to bring about change and transformation and reformation in their sphere of influence. You wonder if that's tied into why intrinsically they're so driven to give away, you know, a half to to all of what they've made, you know, like Zuckerberg announced he's going to give it all away at some point, uh, obviously Warren Buffett, uh, but uh, you just wonder if the two are tied somehow. Now you, you talk about- Can I just about... come back on that? Do you mind sure. if I come back on that? Yeah, here's, absolutely. Here's what I believe. I believe that, you, you, we all believe this, we were created by the creator. To be creative- to use our creativity to bring glory to God. But if we don't know God, we don't know where to put the fruit of our creativity. Mm. And so it's given away. It's, it's, it's used for philanthropy. But actually, there's a piece that's missing. And it's why, in my opinion, a lot of people who are very successful in different forms of life, you see it with actors and musicians, they, they actually end up with tragic lives because their creativity was meant to be given to God as an offering to him, uh, as an expression to him and to show the world who our creator is. And so they find themselves with no place to express and no one to give the glory to. Yeah, I just interviewed a, a rock star, a bona fide rock star, and he uh, he said the number one a disease, if you will, of rock stars is they're never content and they have nowhere to put the fame, the fortune. And, uh, you know, at some point it's just, uh, it's all meaningless and they end up moving into a self-destructive, uh, lifestyle. And, uh, obviously and tragically it's, it's a wrecking yard of those stories. Yeah. They really need to connect with um, <clears throat> really the heart of God, the heart of the Father. And you've written uh, the book, Things Fathers Do, that talks about the Father heart of God and and really for all of us to connect to that Father heart, not only in our homes, but in our organizations. Um, how, can, how can we help people that are listening to reveal 
the father heart of God that leaves a legacy as we are mothers, fathers, leaders, influencers. You've got some sons, you've got some grandsons. How do we want to pass on to this next generation? Yeah, you know, the, the book's called Things Fathers Do, and it's it's very deliberate. Um, I, I have a little pet peeve, you know, often people, I hear people say, we're not, you know, we're human beings, not human doings. Yeah, but but human beings do things. And the first thing that God did was he did something. He created. And actually what I want to do with the book is to encourage people that in the things that they do, they reveal the father. You see, you know, as fathers, we we show our kids how to love our spouses. Uh, we create memories. We create culture. Uh, we, we show the kids the world um, we, we create memories, we, we bless, we do things. And in our doing things, we reveal the Father. So what I'm really trying to say is, if you stop and take a look, it's not that you have to do something different. You have to realize that in what you do, you are revealing the Father. You know, the, the word says, you know, it, you know how to give good gifts. How much more does your heavenly Father? Well, we all love to give gifts. We're revealing the Father in the gifts that we give to our children, in the way we love our wives, in, in, the, in the way we serve and, and things like that. So although I, there are elements in the book where I write about my journey of sonship and, and I write about overcoming lies on the way to becoming a father, there are 28 sections in the middle of the book which are very, very practical. And they're the things that fathers do. And you see, our Heavenly Father, he, he did things, he created he, he does things. So whilst I get the, the sentiment that we're human beings, um, I, I believe that in our doing, we reveal the Father, uh, our Heavenly Father. And that's why I wrote the book. I actually wrote it uh, on my way back from Brazil when I took my youngest son uh, to the Soccer World Cup of 2014. And uh, I, I wrote the message because I realized that fathers do things. And, you know, my kids are probably not going to remember too many things I've said. Um, but they'll remember some things I did. And one of them was I got to take my nine-year-old grandson to uh, to Wembley to watch England two days ago, which was, uh, he'll never forget that. He'll never forget the fun we had, the memory we made. Wow. And that's what our Heavenly Father does. Things fathers do. Great resource. Someone listening may be interested in connecting with that book or maybe some of your other resources. How can people connect with you and just find out more of what you're saying and what the Lord is putting on your heart to share with others? Uh, well, paulmanwaring.com is my website and there are resources on there. I have a, a subscription model uh, which gives access to uh, a lot of resources, actually, strategic planning toolkits, uh, a Mastering Kingdom administration course, which is great for um, office-type teams. Um, I've also got a, um, a revival leadership school for leadership teams. Uh, so you can go on paulmanwaring.com and access there. Follow me on social media. I'm on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, and the books, Things Fathers Do, you can either get on Amazon, Apple, or through the Bethel store, along with um, two of my other books, which is Kisses from a Good God, which is my journey through prostate cancer and how God uh, led me on my journey to be healed by a surgeon. And then my book, um, What on Earth is Glory, which is has got some of the sentiment of what I've been talking about tonight. So either paulmammering.com or um, Bethel will be two good places to start for resources. Great. 
Uh, Paul, last, uh, you talk about convergent life. Uh, can you describe what is that and how can we apply that to our life and service, wherever that might be? And after uh, you share that, we'd like for you to close in prayer and pray for our listeners. But what is a convergent life? Yeah, it, a convergent life is is me um, presenting something to people which is attainable. I want people to live attainable lives, uh, achievable lives, while still believing for the more. And so what I look at is, are there five elements of your life that you're taking care of? Now, they might overlap, which is convergence. But sometimes aiming for absolute convergence is too high a goal. So I, I challenge people to make sure that there is that they're taking care of money. Number one, that's a that's a good one. Take care of money. Number two, are you doing something you love that brings you pleasure? Number three, are you doing something that you're either good at or growing in skills? And then fourthly, are you taking care of your inner man yourself? Mm. Yeah. And fifthly, are you taking care of a community and nourishing a community? So those five elements create what I call a convergent life. Mm -hmm. And what that means is if you're if you're taking care of money doing, you know, a menial job, if you're looking for everything to be contained in that, you'll be frustrated. But if the income from that enables you to do something you love, learn some new skills, then that work has a greater value so the challenge is have those five elements in existence do something you love do something which you're either good at or growing in the skills take care of money take care of your inner man which really soul i mean i'll talk about making sure that you're looking after your soul and then are you in community that you're nourishing and which is nourishing you and that's a convergent life mm. I'll tell you, Scott, that would be a show in itself, wouldn't it? Uh, I uh, think we could unpack have, yeah. that further. I, think I can do that. That's a that's yeah. an easy one for me to do. Yeah, that'd be great. Paul, oh, give Paul, us a, give yeah. us a just give us a prayer of blessing. There are people yeah, here sure. that want to be used in a supernatural way that want to really move into the, the place that God has for them, and that's why we're here to help people move forward in their influence to touch their neighborhoods where they live and literally to expand out into the nations. Yeah, Father, I ask first that everyone listening to this, yeah. whoever they are, whatever they do, whatever they aspire to, that they will know at this moment in time that you have them exactly where you want them to be. I pray that none of them will confuse assignment with calling. That, that they will embrace a current assignment, but not confuse it with calling. And so, Father, I ask that everyone will, will grab that. They'll cancel the lie that they're second class. They'll cancel the lie that there are second class callings. They'll cancel the lie that they'll, they'll have arrived when they have a, a role or a title in the church. I say to that no, and I declare over them that they will see the greater works. I declare that they will experience the increase of your government. I pray that they will know that eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor heart conceived what God has prepared. And I pray that they will go from glory to glory and that they will know that they reveal, reflect and point to the Father. 
in the things that they do, in adding up a column of numbers in, in a in an accountant's workbook, in caring for the sick, in teaching kids, in waiting on tables, in in whatever they do, communicating, graphic design, I pray that everyone will know that there is a glory in them and that they reveal, reflect and point to the Father. May they know glory to glory, greater revelation, increase of your government and the greater works in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great. Thank you, Paul. And that was a powerful uh, prayer. And what a great way to end our time together. Can you mention your website again for resources? Yeah, it's paulmanwaring.com. So that's P-A-U-L Manwaring, M-A-N-W-A-R-I-N-G.com. And uh, you can uh, find it all on there. And you can also contact me via that website as well. If anybody wants to contact me, they're welcome to. Wonderful. Scott, you want to close out our time? Just want to remind all of our listeners that you are an influencer, that we're here to inspire you to increase your influence, to be moving out in a direction that helps your neighborhood and reaches out to touch the nations. You're called to be light in a dark world. Shine brightly, my friend. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Influencers Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please be sure to hit the subscription button. You can help us to reach more people and bring more great guests onto the program by giving us a five-star rating and writing a personal review about how this podcast has personally impacted you. We love to read your comments. We'd love you to follow us at The Influencers Podcast Official. That's on all social media channels. To stay up to date, to hear more inspirational content, and to unlock your full potential as an influencer. Remember, folks, use your influence to move people closer to Jesus and his mission.